True Fire Club, if you want to meet uh, parents, if you haven't checked them in, please stop at the table in the back. Make sure you check them in before uh, they go downstairs, and then remember to please use that sticker to pick them up after, uh, just a way that we help keep your kids safe while they are in our care. And so if you want to bring my mic down just a little bit, because we're on the verge of a ring, and I'll get way more excited than this uh, as I go on. But um, just wanted to say we, we love to put videos in front of you that actually show you uh, why you give in a global outreach offering and what that's for. Steve and Jackie Sullivan, we have supported for um, countless years. As long as they've been on the field, they've been in Cambodia. Uh, They were in St. Paul, St. Paul City Church um, in downtown uh, St. Paul for a number of years, and now they are serving in Asia again. And uh, this is their son, Mark, and his wife, Heather. And uh, we are going to have them for service sometime in the spring. I had the chance to sit down with him just a few Uh, probably about, well, probably longer ago than I'm going to say. And so it was a while ago, I guess, a couple months. And uh, just really excited about what God's doing in their ministry and uh, excited to present them with you. We have a number of our global partners that are retiring, resigning, leaving the field. And so every time you give to this global partner outreach, it now allows us to partner with some new people that are looking for funding. And so we encourage you uh, to do that. And so Uh, Just a quick update. If you missed last Sunday morning, um, I shared a little bit about our Restoration Church update and some of the things that uh, God has been showing us and doing uh, in my life. I I challenged us to continue to be in prayer. Uh, Don't get weary. Don't get apathetic. Uh, God is at work. He is creating momentum for our church. Uh, He is still at work, and he's promised us of that. And uh, I love the word about tension because I do feel like I'm in the tension of already and not yet in so many ways in my life. And uh, God confirmed it through two uh, prophetic words that he spoke to me over the last week by people I do not even know. And uh, if you want to hear more, let's have coffee and we'll, I'll share more with you. But uh, that's not for today. And so today we're going to finish up in our series called Anxious for Nothing. Um, focusing specifically on Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And so if you have a Bible, go there. And uh, we're going to read it in its entirety again today. And this is the last sermon in this series. It's actually based on a book by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing. And uh, even though it's our last sermon, there are still two weeks of huddles left. So this Wednesday, our huddles meet. And then the following Wednesday, our huddles meet. And that's uh, by strategic design. I wanted to slow down as we come to the end of this message and make sure that we're not just getting information for our heads, but that we're really pressing in and seeing how does this apply to my life. And I encourage you to be open in your huddles, maybe admit where you need some prayer or admit where maybe you need some advice from one another. That's the point of the body of Christ, by the way, that we could get encouragement from one another. And uh, we're going to actually talk about the lie that says we shouldn't do that here in a little bit. Um, But I want to make sure that we press into this. And here's the thing. You could be tempted in your huddles. And so huddle leaders, let me uh, just encourage you again, keep us on track. Okay? There are things in this book about angels and some other things. And you could easily get distracted by things that really don't matter in these discussions. And let's just not talk about them right now. If you want to meet together in a couple weeks and have that discussion, do it. But let's really focus on what it means to be anxious for nothing and what's that look like in my life and how do I apply it. And so let's not get stuck in the weeds. 
Let's actually dig into this and really make it beneficial for our lives. And so for all of us, let's stay on track. Um, you'll help the leaders if you as a, just an attender helps, you know, keep that conversation going and doesn't ask a question about, you know, some random verse of the Bible and how that applies. Let's just focus on what matters. Does that make sense? Remember in the, the scripture word monish, don't get stuck in arguments about genealogies and all these things that just don't matter. Paul says, focus on what's important. Don't be distracted by the peripheral stuff. So um, Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine, I wanna read it in its entirety, um, then kind of recap and then just dive into where we are today. And I wanna land the plane by about 11.20 because I wanna give you 10 minutes. We're gonna spend some time in the presence of the Lord again, just let him kind of resonate these things in our hearts because it's not what I say, but it's what he does that makes a difference in your life today. So. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so, Father, I do ask again that by your spirit, you would give us wisdom and revelation today, God, that you'd help us to understand things that we have heard before, but not understood. Holy Spirit, show us areas of our lives where we've been deceived because we've heard your word, but we do not do what it says. And just make us more like Jesus today. Shine your light on some hidden areas of our hearts, not to expose us or fill us with shame, but lead us to life today. Set us free even from the guilt, the condemnation. I pray, Holy Spirit, expose every lie of the enemy today that tries to put people in bondage to fear, to put bondage in anxiety, to put us into bondage for shame and condemnation. God, set your people free by the truth of your word today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, I believe the Bible. I believe it's true. I believe when we come together to worship, God is present with us. And so when I actually worship him, it's like I'm singing to him. And so um, I, I don't know what you believe about that, but that's kind of what I believe the Bible teaches and what we do. Um, but this idea of choosing calm is our message for today. And uh, I'm kind of stuck. If you could pull me up, choosing calm is what I want to see up on the screen. And I'll reset my app and try to see if that helps. Um, and this is the title of the message because this word calm is what we've looked at. And if you want to throw up that acrostic, um, this idea of calm, excuse me, don't you love when Wi-Fi things just don't work? Praise the Lord. So I'm not connecting, so you're just going to have to pay attention and follow along today. Uh, I, I have full confidence in your ability. If you do it wrong, I'll just scold you in front of everyone and make you feel bad. <laughs> 
Just kidding. If she does it wrong, she's not prepared. No one talk to her after, and I'll try to be nice. Um, but this idea of calm, these are the four points that we've kind of gone through. Celebrating God's goodness, asking God for help, leaving it with God, meditating on good things. And the idea of celebrating God's goodness, rejoicing in the Lord's always, it's reminding ourselves God is near, God is active, God is always engaged in our lives. That's what's true. What you feel is not true. What you see is not true. What the Word says is true. And the Word says He's near us, He's active, He's in control, He's working for our good, whether we've done the things that are right, whether we've made mistakes, whether other things have, other people have hurt us or harmed us. He is for us, not against us. And we have to get this settled in our hearts. We have to stop as believers saying one thing and living another. We come into church on Sunday and we worship this God that's incomprehensible, able to do everything. And then we go out here and we get in line at the store and we give the person that, that's ringing us up a piece of our mind because they're idiots and they should have known better. That's what happens in our lives. Or we, on the way home, we're yelling at our spouse or we're yelling at our kids or, you know, our boss is this and our boss is that and this church is never gonna move forward because that pastor's this and that worship leader this. Either God is sovereign or he's not. Either he's in control or he's not. Either his word is true or it's not. Or the opposite side of that, some of you walk home and you just beat yourself up. Oh, I'm such a terrible loser. I'm so, I'm so terrible at this and I'll never get it right. Either God's mercy is enough or it's not. It's either enough or it's not. Either this book is true in totality or it's not true at all. And if it's not true at all, let's not even come here anymore. But this book is true. And there's an enemy that wants to steal your destiny. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal God's plans for you. And he has given you what you need to fight against those lies. But you have got to fight against those lies. So we ask God for help. He is near us. We ask him for help. We've been given the power to choose. And if you, I, I've listened to Pastor Mark's sermon. I just told him again this week, the, the message he preached on ask God for help I've learned so much from. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen. It's on the podcast. The idea that we have been given the power to push the right buttons even when we want to push the wrong buttons. You have the power of God living in you. Either the spirit is there or he's not there. And he's not there because you feel like he's there. He's there because you've put faith in Christ. You know, I loved, I loved when you told us that day that godly sorrow leads us to repentance. And godly sorrow does not necessarily mean we're gonna feel bad or cry. Or, and some of us feel like, you know, I'm repenting, but I don't feel bad enough. And I love that he said, you know, if I cry or don't cry, I mean, I can make myself cry, but then that's just markly sorrow. <laughs> that was so profound. It's not about whether you cry or don't cry or whether you feel bad or don't feel bad. You act on the truth of the word of God. That's what we do. We live by truth. Amen. So good. So fear and anxiety in our lives is either going to trigger despair and a spiral downward, or it's going to trigger prayer and a spiral upward. Okay. Feeling anxious is not a sin. Feeling anxious and be anxious for nothing are not synonyms. They're not the same thing. You have no control over well, you have some control over whether or not you feel anxious. There are things we can do to actually limit anxiety in our lives, but ultimately, I can't control when I feel anxious, but I can control whether I will be anxious for nothing. Well, I will let that be a way up or a way down. 
Leave it with God, reminding us we are the air traffic controllers of our mind. All day long, there are anxieties and fears that circle around our head, and what one lands is what I give permission to. I have to recognize the lies of the enemy. I have to take authority over it, and I have to leave it with God. When Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I know whom I have believed, and I am, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. Understand this. I know, I know God. Okay, we're going to come back to that. But I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him. I don't know if when you take your appliance to be repaired or you take your car to be repaired, if you are one of those people that maybe just stand there and hover over while they're repairing and tell them what, I mean, just fix it yourself. You don't do that. You leave it with someone who knows more and then you walk away. Now, if they need you, they'll call you. They'll say, hey, I need to know what you want me to do here. You got to make the decision. It's exactly that way with God. We leave requests with God, and then we walk out and manipulate, try to control things to make it happen. Oh, but pastor, we don't get to just pray. Yeah, but we don't just do either. I mean, if this book tells us to do something, then we obey it and we walk it out, but I can't make my prayers happen. And I'm in, I stay in communication with God, and when he tells me to do something, I respond, but I have to leave my concern with him, just like I leave my car with Dwayne. Because he knows more than me. And then meditate on good things. You know, all week long, if you respond to situations with anger, resentment, bitterness, fear, anxiety, when we come together to worship, that's kind of how you're going to worship. But if you respond all week in faith and we come together to worship, man, I don't know if what, I just, in my mind today, I'm like, yeah, he is my lighthouse. He's leading me safely to shore. Man, he is the, the God, the living hope. That's who he is. He's living hope. I don't have to go tomorrow and when something happens that's outside of what I thought was going to happen on Monday morning, although the world tells us Monday mornings, they're just bad. Well, if you wake up tomorrow thinking, oh, it's Monday, well, guess what your Monday's going to be? Or you can get in the shower and you say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to meditate on what is good and just and pure and holy and righteous and admirable. What's going to land in your brain? You have been given the choice because of the cross to choose. Choose wisely. Choose calm. And calm is not a pill that you take in response to anxiety when you feel it or fear when you feel it. It's a way of living. You have to change how you live through your life. It's not like I got a headache, I got to take a pill. No, this is how we live our lives. And so the anxiety may not flee instantly the same way a headache will when I take a pill. God is not dueling out prescriptions. He's dueling out a healthy lifestyle spiritually. And you've got to be faithful to just put it into practice. Here's a quote from Max in the book. and I didn't put it on the screen, but it says, Life gives lemons to good people, bad people, old people, all people. Life comes with lemons, but we don't have to suck on them. And if all you th sit around and think about is the things that aren't going right in your life, the people who have done you wrong, the way that conversation, that, what that person said to you, and if that's what you keep rehearsing, you're basically sucking on a lemon and hoping that at the end of the day, you're going to have a smile on your face. All right, I'll move on. 
I wanted to read a, kind of a lengthy section, and uh, I'm going to need Jody to kind of follow along with us. Um, it's an excerpt from one of Max Lucado's other books, and I want to read it in its entirety because it fits so well with this idea. He says, it's quiet, it's early. My coffee is hot, the sky is still black, the world is still asleep, and the day is coming. In a few moments, the day will arrive. It will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. For the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It is now that I must make a choice. Because of Calvary, I'm free to choose, and so I choose. I choose love. No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. I choose love. Today I will love God and what God loves. I choose joy. I will invite God to be the God of my circumstance. I will refuse the temptation to be cynical, the tool of the lazy thinker. I will refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. I will refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see God. I choose peace. I will live forgiven and I will forgive so that I may live. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of the world. Instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I'll invite him to do so. Rather than complain that the wait is too long, I will thank God for a moment to pray. Instead of clenching my fist at new assignments, I will face them with joy and courage. I choose kindness. I will be kind to the poor, for they are alone. Kind to the rich, for they are afraid. Kind to the unkind, for that is how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will be overlooked before I will boast. I will confess before I accuse. I choose goodness. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. My wife will not question my love. My children will never fear that their father will not come home. I choose gentleness which is what our passage said should be evident to all. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it be only in praise. If I clench my fist, may it be only in prayer. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. I choose self-control. I am a spiritual being, and this body is dead. After this body is dead, my spirit will soar. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. I choose self-control. I will be drunk only by joy. I will be impassioned only by my faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Christ. I choose self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To these, I commit my day. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail... I will seek his grace, and when the day is done, I will place my head on my pillow, and I will rest. See, for some of us, when we talk about this idea of choosing calm, choosing these things, we believe in the lie that the enemy brings, that our situation is different. 
The situation that I'm in is not the same. No one else understands it. And what that does is it leads us to isolate ourselves from people. It leads us to neglect obedience to God because it gives us a reason to disregard the word, even though the word says to do this. My situation is different. I'm the exception, so I don't have to follow that. In Proverbs chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, it says, He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A close-minded fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions, unwittingly displaying his self-indulgence and his stupidity. See, as we talk about this idea of choosing calm, can I challenge you to stay away from self-pity and justification? Stay away from the need to uh, be the exception to the rule. Stay away from the need to look at other people that have done wrong to you or to circumstances that have done wrong to you and to fall into some level of self-pity or some level of justification of why you don't have to do what God's word says to do. At the same time, stay away from shame and condemnation. Because that both of those paths, shame and condemnation and self-pity and justification, will lead to destruction and more anxiety. And so I challenge you over these last two weeks to continue to wrestle through these passages, to continue to wrestle through this book and these questions, and ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask someone for help or to say to someone, hey, let's have a cup of coffee and let me just tell you what's going on in my life. Expose what's going on in your life to someone and the, the light that shines on that. The Bible says when you confess your sin, your fault, your failing, your weakness to someone else, it actually brings healing. Because when you keep it closed and you keep it in the dark and you keep it light, it, it just creates fear and anxiety. But when you release it to someone, it opens it up. And the last thing I want to do today, and some of you are like, whoa, uh, it's going to take a little while. Don't panic. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul talks about this secret. And right on the heels of the verse we've been studying, the passage we've been studying, look at what he says. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And now I want to step back from that passage for just a second, and I want to look at it in context, because this is probably a passage of Scripture that gets misused more than most passages of Scriptures, especially verse 13, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, um, kind of has been dumbed down to just, I can do all things, and that's really not what Paul's saying. So let's look at verse 10 first. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. What Paul is saying is this church was concerned about him, but then they kind of went away from that concern in a sense, but now they've renewed the concern. Some of your translations may actually say, I'm, I'm grateful that you have renewed your concern for me again. So I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Now, not that I was ever in need. Okay, Paul is not living in denial. He's not saying, I'm not in need. 
He's going to teach us a secret. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Even so, now at the end of that passage, verse 17, because then he goes right into what we just read. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. I do not say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given us in Christ Jesus. See, for some of us, we believe that if we could, the if only that we've talked about from Max's book, if only we had more, if, if only we had our health, we would have all that we need. If only we had a bigger bank account, we would have all that we need. If only my relationships were better. If only, if only, if only. And Paul is taking away that if only thought and says you can do everything God has called you to do in every circumstance you are in. Can I tell you something? Even when you are at your prime health with a bank account larger than you possibly could ever think you would need and with every relationship that's making you happy, that's an illusion of control in your life. You're, you think you're in control when you have your health, but you have no idea what's going on in your body. You have no idea if the doctor's ever going to say cancer. And you don't have to live in fear because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, and there's one that holds you in the palm of his hands. Whether you feel healthy or whether you're sick, whether your bank account's at zero and you've got debtor, debtors calling, or whether you've got more money than you know what to do with, you're not in control of you. We fight to try to have control. We fight to have a savings account. But you don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. You could lose it all. And it would reveal where your confidence is. Is your confidence in your bank account or is it in the Lord? Is your confidence in your relationships or the moment that someone mistreats you? Do you withdraw? Do you allow bitterness in your heart? Do you, or do you just press in and say, no, I'm not going to allow that to separate us? It shows where your confidence lies. And Paul says, you know what? Whether you show concern for me or whether you don't show concern for me or whether you try to send me a gift or you don't send me a gift, I know I am confident that God's going to take care of me. I've learned the secret of being content. This secret is not just about his financial provision. He uses words in this passage in the Greek that show us this is not just about meeting financial needs in the Apostles Paul's life. I want you to notice that what he says here is whether you give me a gift or whether you care or don't care, I can fulfill God's will for my life. I don't need you in that sense. But he opens himself up to say, but I am glad that you've given me a gift because it's for your credit. There's an understanding in the American church world today where I don't need people, I just need Jesus. I mean, I don't need to tell other people what's going on in my life. I don't need people to, but here's the thing. You're right, you don't need it for you because what Paul is saying is I don't need it for me because I have to be content. If you need other people to praise you or other people to acknowledge you or other people to give to you, it will never be enough. 
If you need your spouse to say it, if you need your kids to say it, if you need your circumstances to all line up perfectly, it will never be enough. It'll never be perfect. You'll be chasing the wind for the rest of your life. But this is not an excuse to push people away. This is not an excuse to say, I don't need you in my life. Because while I don't need you to serve God, I need you because as you fulfill a need in my life, as I let you in, even though you're imperfect and you're probably going to fail me, you're probably going to let me down, you're probably going to do something mean to me, but as I let you into my life to serve me, when I do that, it's for your credit. And I need you, not for my credit, but for yours. Oh, but there are things we learn because pride doesn't want us to let other people serve us. When people reach for the ticket, no, 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 I'll get the lunch today because I don't want to be indebted to you. I'm sick and I'm in the hospital, but I'm not going to call you because I don't want to be indebted to you. I don't want to be attached to you. Oh, we would never say these things out loud, but this is what we do. And although the word of God says you're a body, I fitted you together perfectly. I want you to press into each other. I don't want you to allow separation. I don't want you to be bitter with each other. I want you to be content in me and understand this even though he says that by our lives we live like we don't need it we know better than you God and I'm going to push people away because all I need is you and that's an error and it's wrong I want to look at Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 and this time we're going to read it from the amplified version not that I speak from any personal need, for I've learned to be content. Look at this, self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. What Paul is saying is, I am self-sufficient through Christ, through my union with Christ. Not because I go to church, not because I read my Bible, not because I, I have a personal quiet time every single day, but 24-7, I walk in union with Christ. Apart from me, Jesus says in John 15, you can do nothing. You can't bear fruit apart from your union with me. You can't do anything apart from your union with me. And yet we want to go to church for a couple hours on Sunday and think that the rest of the week is just going to happen for us. We think if we just get up and spend 15 minutes in prayer at the start of the day, that we're just going to make it through the day. And some of us treat God as like we just plug in in the morning or plug in on Sunday and we charge our battery and then we just go out and do our stuff and God says, no, I created for you to plug into me and you take me with you everywhere you go. Now, here's the crazy thing. He's with us everywhere we go. He's with us. He, he will not stay at home if you leave him at home. <laughs> He's not like that. You can't kennel him. He's recklessly pursuing you with love. He's coming after you all of the time. So he's going to present. But if you don't look to him or call on him or cry out to him, he'll just wait. He'll just wait. He wants you to walk in 24-7 communion with him. And so Paul says, I'm not disturbed or uneasy. When Jesus says in John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled, remember, to his disciples, what he's saying is don't let your hearts be thrown into disorder by your circumstance. You're going to have trouble. You're going to feel anxious. People are going to let you down. Bad things are going to happen. But in that moment, draw what you need from Christ. 
Paul says, I know how to get along. I know how to live humbly in difficult times. I know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. I can do all things which he has called me to do. We've made this, I can win NBA championships, I can run a marathon, I can push the limits of human, and all of those things are good. But what this means is you can do everything God has called you to do. So if you have said yes to a thousand things in your life and you can't possibly keep up with that schedule, this verse doesn't apply. And if God has not told you to say yes to every activity under the sun, and you're somehow praying for him to give you strength to do every activity under the sun, even though you didn't ask him if you should sign up for those activities. You just did it all. Because in pride, as humans, we want it all. And it's foolish of us to think that God is somehow going to empower us to do everything when he took a day of rest. This is not a blank check verse that you just get to do everything. Well, what he has said is, I'm promising to be with you and I'm gonna give you everything you need. Everything he's called me to do through him who strengthens me and empowers me, through him. Not, he's not trying to download power to you so you can go do it. He's walking with you, fully empowering you to get through. That means if you're in a circumstance that he has called you and led you into and you feel overwhelmed, he's given you and he will give you everything you need in that moment. I can be content. I can be at peace. I can walk in obedience. I can let this train me. Here's the thing. In difficulty and in hardship that all of us are going to face, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 says in, in verse 11, said God disciplines those he loves. Then he goes on and says, endure, endure hardship as discipline. So the endure hardship as discipline, but then he goes on to say, if you are trained by it, it produces a harvest for you, if you've been trained by it. He doesn't say, if you go through hardship, you're going to receive a benefit for it, if you've been trained by it. As you walk through the hardship, if you cry out to God, you don't even have to do it perfectly. Here's the thing. No guilt or shame or condemnation. It's not about how well you've done it. Some of you right now are sitting here thinking, man, I'm in a mess and I've gotta, I'm just gonna quit everything. Ah, I'm throwing off everything. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because here's the thing. God knew the mess you were about to make in your life and walk into. He knows where you are today. And his goal for you is not to just throw off every responsibility and run away from it all. His goal is just to get connected. You connect to me and I'll lead you from this day forward and I'll show you things you've got to cut out of your life and I'll show you things that maybe you need to add to your life and I'll show you. I just want to be with you. He doesn't want you today to just suck it up. He doesn't want you today to just grit your teeth and pass and just bear it. He, he wants to walk with you. So the point of this service today, the point of this sermon is to learn this secret. It's not to just receive a deposit. And we, we may come back because there's so much more I could say about this. But guys, the cure for our anxiety is not a change of circumstance. It's not. It's not a different spouse. It's not an addiction being taken care of. It, it's not even inner healing. It's a connection to a father 
You've forgotten who it is that you're called to walk beside. And all that I can do today is bring you to the one who is gonna walk out this door with you today and wants you to be plugged in. And so don't think of it today as, you know, I'm, I'm plugging in just to charge up and walk out. Think of it today as I'm making sure the connector is clean on the plug. This would have been a great time to have an extension cord. You know, the, the prongs sometimes get dirty. The attachment doesn't get made. And so in just a few moments, the worship team is going to come. In fact, worship team, go ahead and come and get ready. And we're going to show you a video first, and then they're going to lead us in a song. And there's nothing special about this video. There's nothing special about this song. All that we're trying to do is take time for you to make sure your connector's clean. Are you plugged in? If there are relationships that you need to make right, you need to clean that thing today. If there's a sin that you need to confess, you need to just clean that thing. If you have overdone, you've, you've said yes to too many things. No one today should leave heavy. No one today should leave in guilt or shame, condemnation, fear, anxiety. Clean the connectors. Clean the connectors. If you have failed, you trust the mercy of God today. Let me tell you this. If while you were at your worst, he died for you, why would he give up on you now? I mean, I know that now that we've received Christ, we should know better and we have all of these thoughts. But here's the thing. The Bible says you were at your worst when he died for you. You're not at your worst today. You're at your worst when he died for you. And so I want to show you a video that reminds you who you are or who he is. And I want you to just respond. Our prayer team, I want you to come. We're going to be here in the front. If you want prayer, if you need prayer, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to kneel at your pew, if you want to stand and lift your hands, if you, however you need to respond to God today, I want to pray that you just respond. And so, Holy Spirit, right now I just pray for every heart in this room. God, for those that are weighed down by fear, by anxiety, God, by unbelief, by doubt, by disobedience. God, those that have just found themselves in a dead end. God, that are waiting for something to change. But God, today they just need an encounter with the one who changes everything. The one who calms every storm. The one who makes a way for us where there is no way. The one who has promised to walk through every river with us, to walk through every difficulty with us, every desert place with us and to be with us. And so God, reveal yourself to every woman, to every man, to every child, every teen, God, to every person in this room. Make yourself known, I pray in Jesus' name. If there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached a point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love in my voice. You see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits that it's hard to even send a praise up. If there are words for him, then I don't have them. My God, his grace is remarkable. Mercies are innumerable. Strength is impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He's unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable. 
indescribable yet personal. He's beyond comprehension, further than imagination. He's constant through generations, the king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few. And to try and capture the one true God using my vocabulary would never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior, a savior who's both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever, for he has won my heart and captured my mind and he has bound them both together. He's defeated me in my rebellion conquer me in my sin and he's welcomed me into his presence completely invited me in and he has made himself the object of my sight flooding me with mercies in the morning drowning me with grace in the night but if there are words for him then I don't have them but what I do have is good news for my God knew that man-made words would never do for words are just tools that we use to point to the truth so he sent his son Jesus Christ as the word living proof he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn among all creation for by him all things were created giving nothingness formation and by his word he sustains in the power of his name for he is before all things and over all things he reigns holy is his name and so we praise him for his life the way that he persevered in strife the humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice and we praise him for his death that he willingly stood in our place that he lovingly endured the grave and that he battled our enemy and on the third day he rose in victory and we praise him because he rose hallelujah he rose he is everything that was promised and we praise him as a risen king and we lift our voice and sing for one day he will return for us and we will finally be united with our savior for eternity so it's not just words that i proclaim for my words point to the word and the word has a name hope has a name joy has a name peace has a name love has a name and that name is jesus christ and we'll praise his name forever you were the word at the beginning one with god the lord most high hidden glory in creation now reveal in you christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus christ What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. Your sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate? 
says, I've learned the secret, the secret of being content. The idea of a secret is it's not very well known, not known by a lot of people. And Paul chooses that word on purpose. See, the scripture tells us that there are many who are called, and yet there are few who are chosen. It says that the way to life is narrow, and few find it. And it doesn't promise that if you read the Bible every day, you'll find it. The Pharisees read the scriptures every single day, never found it. It doesn't promise that if you attend church regularly, you'll find it. It doesn't promise if you're in full-time ministry, you'll find it. It doesn't promise that if you face difficulty, you'll find it. The secret of being content in every circumstance of our life is our union, our union with God. And I challenge you before you walk out this door today to make sure that that union is there's a connection. As you walk through this week, I challenge you throughout your day, make yourself aware of his presence. That may not be an emotional feeling, but it's a choice to stop 
and recognize that he's with you. When your boss throws something on your desk that you didn't expect, before you respond, turn to him. When something happens at home that's outside of what you wanted to have happen, turn to him. In our hearts, we plan our course, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. And if you're waiting for something outside of you or someone outside of you, or even the emotions inside of you to change before you latch onto him, I got nothing for you because it's only through your attachment to him that you have everything you need. So Holy Spirit, I just ask for wisdom and revelation. I know these words are not things that are new to us. The information is not new to us. But Holy Spirit, I ask for your help to take that information, to make it a reality in our lives. The wisdom that we need to apply the knowledge you've given us. Father, I pray over this congregation today as we leave. God, I ask your blessing on them. Lord, would you bless them and would you keep them? Father, would you cause your face to shine on them? Would you lift up your countenance upon them? Would you be gracious to them? And would you give them peace? We pray it in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd lead us in that song just one more time. But if you need to be dismissed, this is our, our dismissal, our conclusion. If you still want to respond, our prayer team is here. And as they lead us in this song as we leave today, I pray that those words would resonate in your heart, that he is with us, that he is for us, that he fights with us. Go with him, I pray in Jesus' name.